but it's good, cool that we still arrive on time, huh? Yes. Yeah. One thing I really don't understand is that <laughs> you're prepared. <laughs> I'm recording. Ah. You're listening to Covering Ukraine, a podcast by the Europe Ukraine Desk. This episode, Enter Ukraine, is the first of a mini-series of three, which invites you to join a trip to Ukraine that happened in May 2023, almost a year and a half after Russia launched its full-scale invasion on Ukraine. A group of journalists coming from all over Europe composed this trip. They are reporters, radio hosts and editors in the most prominent newsrooms of the EU. These journalists are fellows of the Europe-Ukraine Desk, a project by Anna Ost. It aims at building ties between journalists from the EU and their Ukrainian fellows, journalists who live in their country at war. We hope these connections will impact and improve the coverage of Ukraine in European media. What you're hearing now was recorded on a train from Chelm, a Polish city right on the Ukrainian border, going to Kyiv on May 8, 2023. The Ukrainian capital is only 500 kilometers away, but the journey takes over 20 hours. Taking a plane is impossible due to Russian full-scale invasion. Join us and dive with us in this tale of people who came to do a job and ended up questioning their profession. Also, a mystery of pizza, which isn't actually a pizza, but a possible diplomatic incident. All of that is to come, though right now, an early morning on the train. Hello. Hello, morning. Morning, how are you? What, what is this? <laughs> Your pet? <laughs> you, you already working? It's good. It's, uh, it's like a pet that uh, records sound. Okay. The pet that records sound is my microphone. I am Sarah Lulepers. I am a journalist from France and also the editorial coordinator to the Europe-Ukraine desk. Right now, you will hear me talk to Victoria, one of the Hungarian journalists who is part of this trip. Victoria has never been to Ukraine and she didn't tell her mother that she was going. Where are we now? We are somewhere in the middle, in, in halfway between Lviv and Kiev. Uh, and as far as I see, we're in the middle of a forest and there are some small villages passing by. How do you feel? Uh, I've never been to Ukraine before, so this is uh, very interesting and exciting at the same time. And uh, actually, I, I do feel a bit at home uh, in this part of, of the continent because uh, as I see out of the window uh, all the villages that I see are very similar to Eastern Hungary. Oh, there's a lot of things outside. Yeah, there was a Ukrainian flag outside under, under a bridge. Yeah. And this is like any countryside next to a railway line. <laughs> you would see smaller houses, some of them in better condition, some of them in worse condition. What do we see outside? Nice forest. You know what is Berioska? 
this is this tree, white tree. Very it's thin. typical for Ukraine, for Russia too, but for Ukraine. This is white tree with green leaves, and there are many many songs about this tree. Beryoska, yes. Songs? Yes, there are. How do you know them? Uh, just a moment, I, I remember one. You're gonna have to sing. <laughs> Somebody wants to, to make the show. <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I know the song, now I can't remember. What's your name and where are you from? I'm from Bulgaria, my name is Krasimir. Why did you why did you come here? Oh, for, with my English is hard to explain uh, all my feelings uh, that I have when uh, we talk about Ukraine. Professionally, emotionally, it's uh, like inside inside of me. Ukraine is inside of you. Yes, because uh, I told you I am from Bulgaria. Uh, we are many common things in our cultural uh, history. I have many friends in uh, Ukraine. That's why for me it's so emotional. This music you hear is a Ukrainian ballad. It's one of those famous Beryoska songs Krasimir talks about. This one tells the story of a mother packing her son to go to the war, hoping he comes back. Krasimir is right, there are countless other ballads about this tree. While the Bulgarian journalists enter Ukraine watching the landscape outside the train, other fellows prefer to work. Marion is a reporter for French radio who I believe has met pretty much every passenger on this train. Uh, I like to do reports on ordinary life and, and many people in this train take the train for ordinary reasons like uh, job or uh, vacation because uh, people in Ukraine take vacation. And so, yes, I want to hear their stories and I think it's very interesting and not too complicated. Like in one hour you can hear some stories interesting and you, you tell this story to France and you tell how Ukrainian people live, so it's important. I really liked the philosophy to make Ukraine uh, known in Europe so that it's not uh, an exotic country anymore. I think it's uh, important and that's why I'm here. <laughs> yes, uh, your media is, you didn't tell us who you work for and who you are. Uh, I'm. Marion Gauthier, I work from, for uh, National Radio RMC. Um, it's a generalist radio. It's your first time to a yes, conflict zone. Yes, I am not a reporter covering conflict zones, so this is something new for me. Back to Victoria, you heard her before. She works for a Hungarian newspaper, Havege, and writes articles mostly on topics about society. And uh, why this time? Actually, like, I am trying to cover the social aspect of this, from, through, which might seem strange to say, uh, but through a woman's eye. I mean, like, I want to show it, show how ordinary people live through what's happening, 
I want to report on on children going to school, on on people being employed, on on young people enjoying, trying to enjoy their lives amidst of all this. And and this is what I'm I'm really keen on reporting. Like many European citizens, the journalists you heard don't always understand the ties Ukraine's history has with the USSR and Russia. We had this discussion a lot during the trip. And actually, it is one of the reasons we came here in the first place. To understand and to know how to explain it to our audiences. The discussion started in this train with the journalists from Bulgaria, Krasin and Krasimir. Krasin didn't mention too, but he's very familiar with the Russian culture because he's uh, some kind of a Russian philologist in Bulgaria. So Bulgaria, Ukraine and Russia are sharing the Slav legacy. We are we're part of this cultural space, so many uh, our our language is familiar. We can understand each other if we talk slower. So you are also a journalist from Bulgaria. Yeah. What's your name? Krasin. Do you remember the tree Krasimir described outside the train window at the beginning of this episode? Berioska, he said. It's actually the Russian word for birch tree, a very typical tree from Ukraine. Outside our train, we could see a forest of long, thin trees with white trunks. A few days after this conversation on the train, Krasimir came to me, saying he realized he had made a mistake. He should have used another word, because for Ukrainians, this tree is called Bereza, not Berioshka. It might seem a detail, but it's not. Not for Krasimir and not for Ukrainians. When I was a little child, First books that I read, uh, they was uh, books about uh, Second World War, and uh, most of them were about uh, Soviet people against uh, Nazism. And uh, in, when I was chil- child. Uh, I don't uh, make difference between uh, Ukrainian and Russian. And now when I am uh, 56, for me it's hard to explain why is this war about? Why uh, people that give so many uh, offers in uh, like Russia? in the uh, Second World War, uh, now is uh, making such thing uh, like Nazis. All these questions asked here frankly by Krasimir are shared by many foreign journalists who see this war by Russia against Ukraine from outside. What is this war about? What makes Ukrainians Ukrainians and not Russians? Why is it so important to untangle the history that has been told by the Soviet and so a Russian point of view for so long. These questions explain why foreign journalists need to visit Ukraine and understand another point of view from the inside. Because from a Ukrainian point of view, failing to make that difference means ignoring Ukrainian culture and history and serves Russian narratives used by Russian propaganda. This is what the Europe-Ukraine desk is about. Inviting journalists from the EU to know Ukraine better, so they can report on it accurately.
I'm Irina from Bulgaria and I'm a journalist for uh, radio, Bulgarian public radio. Uh, and uh, I was lucky to be in one and the same uh, compartment with uh, a woman from Sumi. She's traveling uh, back to Ukraine from Warsaw and she was telling me very sad stories about how they live now. But at the same time, she feels very much uh, in solidarity with uh, Ukrainian soldiers. Everything is clear, she said to me. Now is everything is absolutely clear. Because actually, uh, when the war started, paradoxically, Putin helped somehow Ukrainian nation to be more conscious uh, about the unity of Ukrainians. Oh, you had a very intense night. Uh, actually, we slept quite well. And in the morning, we started to talk because I found that uh, there is a coffee in the uh, train. And I was uh, amazed to see that uh, they serve the coffee in these beautiful uh, uh, glasses with uh, metal uh, silver uh, pads for the glass. So it's typical. It's typical, yes. yes. And it was... Uh, how to say, normal thing to start the day with uh, a talk over a glass of a coffee. Something like a touch of normality in situation when nothing is actually sure and secure. Because all the time, me and those who heard, Valentino, we were looking at our um, phones to see alerts, where are the alerts right now? And that's how we started talking. Security in Ukraine was a big topic on this train to Kyiv. You must remember that at the time Kyiv was under daily attacks by Russian missiles and drones. Like Irina, we all subscribed to more than one news channel to try and understand how to stay safe. Have you seen one worrying uh, photo? No. Because I have all these uh, channels in uh, Telegram where you can actually see how the night looked like with uh, missile attacks. And this is uh, one of the photos there. So it's a picture of a building and it, apparently a missile hits the building. This is in Kyiv, big building, skyscraper. And uh, it is not hit by the actual uh, missile, but by the remains of a destroyed missile. No casualties, so far not reported, but we have to uh, keep in mind that uh, it's not a game, it's, it's something serious. Although, obviously, the uh, anti-missile system of Ukraine works well. They were able to shoot 35 drones out of 35. I'm also amazed of uh, how Precise is actually the information there that is given in uh, all these different channels for alerting people in Ukraine. Uh, I didn't expect that all this system of technological organization is so uh, uh, developed. If it is in Bulgaria, I'm not sure that we will have uh, such kind of smoothly working uh, operation uh, technologically for alerting all the people at 
How do you feel? I feel very sorry for the people here, for the Ukrainians. At the same time, I feel as you probably, as a journalist, that we have to tell the stories behind the numbers and we have to we have some obligations for our audiences and we have to tell the stories from Ukraine so you're not stressed about going to Ukraine i'm s somehow i'm aware at the same time i think it's very important to keep the focus and to do what we have to do which is to to bring the stories of Ukrainian people back home. This is a feeling shared by all journalists on this trip. Uh, I'm, I'm basically a very curious person. So uh, first of all, I just want to know what it's like. I want to experience it for myself. Of course, there's a bit of cons concern. I think that's natural. Are you stressed? I'm expecting a meeting with Kiev, with Ukraine. Uh, stressed is not not that word, uh, but a little bit concerned about how it will be like, uh, for example, uh, uh, air attacks or something like this. It's very beautiful. It's a country I really like, um, so I'm quite um, excited it's not the right word because there are risks but um, I'm just um, peaceful I, th I really think it's the right things to do for me so I'm, I'm okay with, with this trip and the risk I take I think uh, it worth it this is, we mustn't forget that uh, this is a country at war uh, unfortunately and uh, we have to uh, abide by the rules and we have to follow security guidelines but uh, that's I think this is just a natural concern of anyone who has never been to a war like a conflict zone before interestingly I expect it to be a normal living city uh, and and it would be interesting to compare that to my vision well of course not a buzzing capital as it used to be unfortunately but people must live with the reality of war and I think amidst all of this you must live your normal life and that's that, that's something that I'm uh, expecting to see and it's spring it's obviously spring which always gives a new hope doesn't it uh, that nature is healing and, and so is the world so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this trip And thus, we arrive in Kiev, where the Hungarian, Bulgarian and French journalists on this train are united with their international colleagues from Italy, Germany and Spain. Naturally, this leads to dinner. It happens at a restaurant of Crimean Tatar cuisine called Musafir. This place was reopened in Kiev back in 2014 by a Crimean Tatar family who had to close their family business on the peninsula due to Russian annexation. This restaurant is extremely popular in the Ukrainian capital. But our Italian fellow Lorenzo doesn't really understand what's in his plate. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand what we are eating exactly, but for sure there is something that looks like a, a crepe. A what? Oh, a crepe, a crepe yes. 
um, there is like this in Italian it would be panzerotto like a fried I don't know uh, how shall I call it um, how is it in French I don't know ravioli it's like a big ravioli this no, it's not a ravioli. He's like it. He's turned to be one drug away from political incident. <laughs> that one uh, looks like um, a, a Tatar version of a pizza. <laughs> you, you you were waiting for that, right? So okay, Italian, I Italian. said my byline. <laughs> he doesn't want to call it pizza and if you don't want to make a diplomatic incident. It's Tartarian pizza. Yeah. That's a good way. Lorenzo is an Italian investigative journalist. In front of him is a half-moon pastry that takes up about half of his plate. It's filled with lamb or beef, seasoned with fresh herbs and garlic. And how is it? Is it it's good? Very good. Very tasty. Very tasty. The, you already tasted the Tartarian pizza? No. I was put in the so Mario, you want to try the Tartarian pizza? Yes, I will be the first because I have no personal interest in pizza, so I can be... What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I can be uh, Everybody objective. has an interest <laughs> in pizza. <laughs> Just imagine if I prefer Tartarian pizza than real pizza, Italian yeah. Everything is really nice. It's like Turkish pita, basically. It's like yeah, pita thank bread, you. Almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> really, really nice. Pita is much more accurate. From Crimean Tatar, Musafir means guest. And the dish our guests were trying to figure out is called Yantik. Daniel Bilik, the Ukrainian producer who shaped this episode with me, even said, I quote, Yentik is the essence of Crimean Tatar culture. Delightful, playful, full of textures and flavors. Unquote. Daniel also added that, like Ukrainian culture, it needs rediscovering. This episode leaves you here, dreaming of Tatarian pizza in a delicate restaurant of Kiev capital. Episode 2 will lead us to Bucha and will let you understand how challenging this trip to Ukraine is for the journalists who come here for the first time. A human challenge, but also a professional one, with ethical questions at stakes. Before we end this episode, we want to pay tribute to Krasimir Krumov, a journalist from Bulgaria whom you heard in this episode. Krasimir passed away a few months after this trip. All our thoughts go to his family and we thank him for his sensitivity and his generosity. You listened to episode one of Covering Ukraine. This episode was recorded by me, Sarah Lepers. It was written with Daniel Bilik, who, as you know now, is a fan of Yentik, the Tatarian pizza. Daniel also edited, sound designed and mixed this episode. The views expressed by the characters are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the organizations they work for, nor NOST or the European Commission who funded this project. 
The podcast was created as part of the Europe Ukraine Desk, a program that aims at creating bridges between journalists from the EU and Ukrainian journalists and bringing Ukrainian voices to European media. Let us know what you think of this episode at eud.nos.org. It's in the description of the episode. And share it around if you liked it. We'll meet soon in episode 2. Until then, take care and thanks for listening.